the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. You know, becoming a biological parent is simply a physical act, but becoming a real parent requires a lot of effort and energy and investments. Quite a difference in being a biological parent and being a real parent. And a real parent really has to care for and train and engage with their child in such a way that they're actually preparing the next generation. They're preparing the next generation, think of this, of human beings. The next generation of family leaders, the next generation of church leaders, the next generation of societal leaders, the next generation of society's workers, that we as adults have the responsibility to actually impart to that next generation the skills that are necessary to lead our nation, our world, our churches forward. That's quite a responsibility. As with any responsibility, we need to be trained. Here's one of the sad things about parenting. When you become a parent, generally you don't get a manual that goes with the baby. You have to go out and buy one and take a look and begin to learn things about what it means to raise a child. And, and many of us have not had the benefit of perhaps learning a lot from maybe a good family background. And so we come into parenting many times at a deficit, not really knowing exactly what to do, how to actually be a good parent. But the good news is that the Bible isn't silent on the issue of training children. In fact, as you see all throughout the pages of Scripture, God's Word provides us guidance that if we will follow the guidance of God's Word, it will help us to actually uh, raise children that honor God. Now, there's no guarantee, by the way. I'll just say that uh, from the get-go. Uh, you can do your best job. You're not going to be guaranteed that your child is going to turn out a certain way because every child makes their own decisions. Even God understood that when he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve made some pretty bad decisions in the garden as his children. And so children make their own decisions. But what we want to do is we want to do the best job that we can in preparing them for being the people that God wants them to be. And I want to draw your attention as we begin today to Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6, where we find this wonderful promise from God's Word. We'll read it from two different translations. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Notice this word, direct. Direct your children onto the right path. Anytime that you are receiving or giving directions, you're pointing the way. That's the idea. So the concept of this is you would point your children into or onto the right path so that when they're older, they have a path. Something has already been designed for them to follow. Take a look now with me at the Passion Translation of this. And we're going to read this aloud as well. Let's read together as a congregation. Dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. Don't you like that? 
Now, as I said, we can do the best job possible, not going to guarantee that every child is going to turn out exactly how we want them to, but it's our job to do what the Scripture says, dedicate them to God, and point them in the way that they are to go. Today, I'm going to share with you two principles that will help you to do this very thing, dedicate your children to God, and point them in the way that they should go. And the first thing I want to talk to you about today is this principle. You and I need to know the goal of parenting. Parenting has a goal. God has given us a goal when it comes to parenting. Now think with me for a moment, the value. What is the value of having a goal in any area of your life? But we don't often think about the goal of parenting, and there is actually a goal of parenting. And the best way to understand the goal of parenting is to actually step back for a moment from our job as parents and to look at the best parent of all. And who is the best parent of all? God is, right? He is the example of what it means to be a parent. In fact, he identifies himself as our father. Jesus taught us to pray. When we pray the Lord's Prayer to start this way, our Father, which art in heaven, and throughout the pages of Scripture, we, are, we see that God presents himself to us as a parent, as a father to us. And so if we're going to understand the goal of parenting, it's important to understand how God parents you and me. And to do that, I'm going to take you on a quick journey through some scriptures that will help you to see the parenting role of God in your life and then what we learn from that for our own lives. Let's start with Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 26. I'll read these for you. These are the words of Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, what does He do? feeds. Notice that word, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And so here, the role of the heavenly Father is identified with doing what? With feeding, okay? That God feeds you. Now, oftentimes we think of that just in the physical realm, the food that you eat. We, we need to be grateful for the, the food that we eat, the, what we have to drink, the roof over our head, the physical provisions that God provides us. But God feeds you in far more than in the physical realm. He's the feeder of your soul. He's the one that nourishes you emotionally and spiritually. And so one of the roles of the Father is to feed. Let's go to the next verse. Take a look at this one with me. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion, notice that word, compassion on his children, so the Lord has, what's the word again? compassion on those who fear him. And so what do we learn about God as a father here? Not only does he feed us, but what else does he do? He has compassion. Now, the word compassion means connection. That's another word we could use here. When you have compassion for someone, it moves you to provide assistance for them out of a connection with them. And so we might use this word, the Father connects with us. He is compassionate. He connects with our needs. He meets needs in our life. Let's go to the next verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love... The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And so here the Father is identified with love. So the Father is identified with feeding. The Father is identified with compassion. The Father God is identified with loving us, not just in in a very modest way, but the Bible says that He lavishes on us love. Notice this next verse. 1 John 4, verse 18, talking about the same love that we just described in the last verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so the kind of love that God has for us is the kind that should produce in us what? No fear, but instead it drives 
without fear. So we might say it this way, the Father's role is to bring you security, right? He secures you. He gives you a sense of security and confidence about your life. Notice this next passage, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, or we might say the family of God, the children of God may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? So God sends us these gifts to help us to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the Father feeds us. The Father has compassion on us. The Father loves us. The Father's love provides security to us. And the, the goal of the Father is to bring us to maturity, to help us to mature. And then Hebrews 12, 8 through 9, if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Continuing on, it says, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respect them for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? And so we see another element of God's role with us. And what role is that? To bring discipline to us. So think about this with me for a moment. The heavenly Father is the perfect parent. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. He's the perfect parent. And so if we're going to understand our goal as parents, we have to see what Father God does with us and how he relates to us. And God invests in us by feeding us, by being compassionate toward us, by loving us, by securing us, by making sure that we come to a place of maturity, and by providing the discipline that we need for our lives. So I want to give you the goal of parenting. I want you to listen closely. This is not on your notes, but I'm going to read this for you because I think it's a very valuable thing to remember. And I've written this down, and these are my words, but I think they cover comprehensively what the goal of parenting is. The goal of parenting, listen closely, is the development of a child, a little baby, preschooler, elementary age kid, teenager, the development of a child into a healthy, mature, and responsible adult, living a significant life, enjoying a meaningful personal relationship with God, and fulfilling God's purpose for their life. By the way, if you don't have a goal, you'll never know if you have a win, right? I want to say something on just a a bit of a side note for a moment before we go to our second point. It's extremely important to realize that the goal of parenting, I want to say this because it, it happens so many times, the goal of parenting is not to fulfill your needs. You don't have a child to make you feel better. The goal of parenting is not to fulfill your desires and dreams through your kids. That's not what it's about. The goal of parenting isn't even to make you happy or to be fulfilled. Parenting isn't about you, okay? Parenting is about the well-being and the responsible development of your child. That's what it's about. And so you have to come to the place of understanding that if parenting is not about you, then when you have a child, you've stepped into a responsibility. You have a new job. Parenting is a job. Say it together with me. Parenting is a job. That's why you need to be aware of that reality. Parenting children is hard work that requires your attention and requires your energy and requires your sacrifice and takes up all your money. (laughs) The goal of parenting is the development of a child into a healthy, mature, and responsible adult living a significant life 
enjoying a meaningful personal relationship with God and fulfilling God's purpose for their life. Now, I'm going to say this also. Nobody ever does this perfectly. And so you've got to be aware of the fact that the best of us make mistakes when it comes. Any parents want to say you've made some mistakes in your parenting? Go ahead and shake your head right there, okay? My head is shaking very, very aggressively right now. We've all made mistakes when it comes to parenting. So today's message is not meant to be a guilt trip on anyone or to make you feel miserable. The thing is, what is, is we've done the best jobs that we've known how to do, but we can learn. We're always in the process of learning and, how I, and learning how to move forward. And that leads me to my next point that is so important today that we'll look at together, and that's this. To be a good parent, to parent God's way, you have to improve your parenting style. I'm going to talk to you about your parenting style before I talk to you about parenting skills. Obviously, parenting requires skill, and to have parenting skills, you have to start with observing and being aware of your style. And your style is your particular way of going about something. The way, your style of parenting generally, not always, but generally your parenting style comes from how you were parented, okay? In one of two ways. Either how you were parented was really good, and so you said, that's how I'm going to do it in my life, and so you adopt that parenting style, or you didn't like how you were parented, so you react to it. And so there's a reaction to it. So, but generally, somewhere in your past, you picked up a parenting style with your kids based upon how you were parented, either in a response positively to it or a reaction to it in some way or some combination thereof, or in the adjustment of gaining information over time in terms of how you've grown and learned what a parent is all about. So I'm going to walk you through some parenting styles just for a few moments this morning. Let me take you on a journey really quick through four common parenting styles using some vernacular that's used in our world today. And then we'll look at it from a little bit more professional standpoint here in just a moment. The first parenting style is what we call a helicopter parent. A helicopter parent is a parent that is always hovering over their child. So here's the key word. You hover over your child. That is, you don't give them much space. You're always there to protect them. You're always there with every decision that they make, and you're probably making the decision for them. Sometimes you do their homework for them. Sometimes you just, you know, these are the way you just, it's like a helicopter constantly hovering. And the other word I would use is smothering them as well. So you hover and you smother. Is that you? That's all I want to ask. Do you hover and do you smother? Okay. And what happens oftentimes with a hovering, smothering parent is that that child does not have the capacity to develop some of the decision-making skills that they need and develop some of the grit that they need in their life. But that's very common in today's culture, this helicopter parenting. The next kind of parent is what we'll call a snowplow parent. You know what a snowplow parent, what does a snowplow do? Snowplow plows, exactly right. It doesn't take a lot of brilliance to figure that out, does it? But when the snow comes, the snowplow gets out and it moves the snow. And so the basic idea of a snowplow parent is that they're always removing every obstacle out of the child's way. If there's a problem, they fix the problem for them. If there's an issue, they, they always take care of it. If there's a problem at school, I'm telling you, the, 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 as soon as the child gets home, the parent's on top of the teacher, okay? There's all there's this plowing away at trying to get every obstacle removed out of that child's life so you can make everything smooth for them. Now, the problem with snowplow parents, again, is when you are snowplowing away and providing just that open pathway for your child where they have no problems, then what happens is they don't develop the grit, the capacity they need to make good decisions in their life. Here's the third one. That is the tiger parent. This is 
The key word that I would use here is demanding. This is the over-demanding parent that is always raising the bar. You can never quite succeed. And so if you jump this high, then we're going to raise the bar that high. And so there's a sense of a very strong aggression. There's never a sense of, never a sense of real accomplishment on the ch- part of the child because you can always do better. You can always do better. You can always do better. And there's always a sense of something more and what the child can actually do. And, of course, it leaves the child quite frustrated. And the last one that I'll mention in this section, and this is the one we call the teddy bear parent. And the teddy bear parent is the one who coddles and pampers their child. Here's the key for the teddy bear parent. They want to be their child's best friend. I just want my child to love me. Okay. Amen. Okay. And so you can't be a teddy bear parent where you're always this cuddly source of comfort to your child all the time. And when you're, when you're, when you're that way, what's happening is you're pampering them in such a way that they're not going to be able to develop into the person. The goal that we talked about will not be accomplished effectively. I'm going to turn the corner. These are kind of the more common vernacular terms that we often use in today's culture for parenting styles. I'm going to get a little bit more professional with you for a moment. I'm going to give you the four professional terms that are used. And these are, while they are taken from the realm of psychology, I'm not preaching psychology this morning. I'm just giving you information about human behavior, okay? And then we're going to see how the Bible ties into this in just a moment. And so, according to psychologists, there are four types of parenting skills, or not so much skills that should be there. It actually should be styles would be the better word that should be used there, parenting styles. And the first one is authoritarian. And the authoritarian style is a style where there's a, there's a lot, there's, there's very strict rules in the house. And there's, there's it's what, I'll, I'll put it this way, it's very rule and fear-based. This is what you do, do it now, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. Pretty much it, okay? That's the rule, fear-based kind of parenting, very authoritarian And this is very high on rules and low on relationship, okay? Not a lot of relationship that goes on here. And so, and there's certain aspects of this we'll see in a moment that have value to us. We'll see as we get to the fourth one that has some some elements of this that has value. But, But this is the person that is constantly pushing the rules. You know, if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen to you and creating a lot of fear in that environment, okay? The next one is... A permissive parent. <laughs> a permissive parent is a parent really is always, here's the key word for a permissive parent. It's always yes, okay? Now, that's okay if you're a grandparent. I tell everybody our house is the house of yes. When you come to my house, it's yes. For if you want Coke at 10 o'clock at night, absolutely. No problem with that, okay? okay. Very little, if any, rules at all. And so I don't want to get in the way. I want my child just to enjoy life and have a good time. And anything they want to do is okay. And these are the kids that you see in the mall going crazy and driving everybody else crazy. Amen? Okay? Because nobody has any control over them. Okay? And so, uh, because again, there's no rule. There's no sense of, 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 of responsibility that's placed upon the child and consequences associated with it. The next one, the third one, is the neglectful parent. Actually, this is far more common than we would think that it would be. We often think of neglect in terms of the physical realm and uh, spiritual, emotional, physical uh, uh, neglect are all a part of this. And so this is just, this is kind of an absence. This is the word here I'd use, absence. You can 
provide for your child physically, food, shelter, clothing, and still be absent from them emotionally, right? They can't connect with you. There's no sense of connection. And so the child grows up with a lack of real engagement from the parent. The parent may be in the home or the parent may not be in the home, but there's a sense in which sort of the child is in their own world. And so the parent is not aware of what's going on with the child. That's one of the problems we have in our culture today. Uh, Parents don't know what their children are doing. You can be a, a decent parent in lots of ways, but still be neglectful in the sense that you are absent from not engaging with your children in such a way that you're really knowing what's happening in their life. Let me tell you something. To be a good parent, we'll talk about this more as we go through the series, you need to know what your kids are up to, okay? You need to be aware of what's going on in their life. You need to be engaged with them in such a way that you've got a a bead on their friends. You know who their friends are, and you know something about their friends, and you're able to weigh in on whether they should be their friends or not, amen, okay? That you know the social media accounts that they're engaged in. You know something about the kind of uh, activity they have in terms of, of their web involvement. These kind of things are, we, it's amazing how many parents will pop a computer in a kid's room and never think anything about it. I'm talking about not, not older kids. I'm talking about like little kids, okay? And the last one here is that uh, psychologists talk about authoritative Parents. Now, authoritative basically means this. Structure, discipline, love, and affirmation. An authoritative parent provides structure for a child. What is structure? Structure is an ordered way of living. There's certain rules that exist in our family, and, and these rules have a purpose to them, and so we're kind of expecting everybody to do this. You have, you, have, you have chores in the house. You have responsibility to pick up your toys after you've played with them. There's some structure. There's some rules and guidelines that a child understands. This is what's valuable in this family. This is what is important in the family. And then that structure is followed up with, no, let's don't get to that one first, okay? With what? With discipline. All discipline is. Discipline is not a bad word. Got to break this out. Discipline is not a bad word. You know the root word for discipline is disciple. Okay? Anybody want to be Jesus' disciple? Of course we do, right? To be a disciple means that you're a learner, that you're learning, you're growing, you're understanding things. And disciple means that you're beginning to develop and understand. You're organizing your life around the rules. You're following them. You've disciplined yourself to do what you ought to do. Discipline is nothing more than saying yes to the things you ought to say yes to and no to the things you should say no to. We all need discipline. And so a child needs discipline. And part of discipline involves consequences when the structures or the rules are broken. And so we're going to talk in this series about the value of discipline and how do you have effective discipline in the home? Because that's how you train a child. That's how God trains you by discipling you and disciplining you in your journey. Now, also in an authoritative environment of a parent, there's also love. There's a sense in which that there is unconditional love. Even when you break the rules, we still love you. Okay. That difference in the authoritative and the authoritarian parent, the authoritarian is you break the rules, we kill you, and the authoritative parents, you break the rules, we still love you, okay? You with me here, okay? It's a difference, a different environment, okay? 
And so you provide an environment of love, unconditional love. And then you also, you're not just looking for the bad things your child does, but you're also looking for the good things. See, the disciplinarian is always only focusing on what the child does wrong. The affirming parent also finds out and observes what the child is doing right, okay, and affirms that as well. And so let me just look over your notes there just for a moment. Look at those last four that I gave you, okay? What are they again? Authoritarian, permissive, neglectful, and authoritative. Let me ask you a question. Which of the, those four words best describes God? The fourth one. It's quite interesting. You can do your own study on this if you'd like to, but it's quite interesting that even according to psychological research, which of the four of these, these parenting styles would you think would be the most effective? Research has proven out that the authoritative parent is the one that is most, most, most effective. Isn't it amazing that science always has to catch up with God, right? Okay. Going back to the very first point that we looked at today, the fact that this is who God is and this is who he's called us to be. And so our parenting style needs to reflect who God is. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Gary Hamrick, Pastor of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.